Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 24. Today, I'll be interviewing Dr. Janet sasson Edget. After reading her book, The Last Boys Picked, I wanted to learn more, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today because Janet is just a wealth of knowledge. She's a clinical psychologist with 30 years of experience offering evaluation, counseling, and psychotherapy to children, preteens, teenagers, young adults, and their parents. She has spent her career thinking about how to provide services to kids and teenagers that they actually value and respect and therefore want to participate in eliminating the miserable and degrading tug of war and other power struggles that many clinicians endure when working with this population. Janet has served on faculty at Delaware Valley University, Immaculata University, and Villanova University in their graduate psychology and counseling programs and has conducted training workshops throughout the U.S. and Canada and abroad. Besides speaking to professional audiences, Janet often speaks to groups of parents about how they can stay connected to their kids as they enter adolescence and become young adults. Respect and accountability are cornerstone values in both her therapy and parenting approaches. Janet has written six books and dozens of articles in the areas of parenting, counseling, boys, masculinity, and gender norms, and sport psychology. They include the popular parenting paperback, Stop Negotiating with Your Teen, Strategies for Parenting Your Anger, Manipulative, Moody, or Depressed Adolescent, and a critically acclaimed book for mental health professionals entitled Adolescent Therapy That Works, Helping Kids Who Never Asked for Help in the First first Place. Her most recent book, The Last Boys Picked, Helping Boys Who Don't Play Sports, Survive Bullies and Boyhood, have been labeled by Parent Magazine as a must-read. Um, and I also want to mention Janet's website that you could go to and find a lot more information. It's www.janetedjet.com. So I just want to thank you, Janet, so much for being here because I, you know, I found your book and it was like describing my son, you know, just, you know, when my son not being sporty and I just, I, I loved your book and I'm just so excited to have you on today. Oh, oh, my God, Becca, thank you so much. And uh, I'm really excited to be here and talk about this topic with you. So thank you. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is how you began your research for the topic of boys in sports. Well, OK, so it's interesting because I really had my own living lab in my home. Um, the way this whole book started is the following. Of, I have three sons. They're all in their 20s now. And of my three boys, two are twins. Jake and Austin. And a few years um, after they were born, you know, maybe four, five, six, I started noticing big differences between Jake and Austin in terms of their physicality, their interests. And Austin uh, was, was just an exceptional athlete right from the beginning and loved sports and loved the move of sports and moving his body. And there was an athleticism there that was very natural. Jake, not so much. He didn't care for sports. 
He didn't like running around. You could see it wasn't pleasurable for him. And when it really became apparent to me was even like in first grade, second grade, the boys would be at the bus stop with the other kids and their moms and everything. And Austin would be playing, you know, baseball, uh, football or soccer with the other kids. And Jake would be stuck having to stand over with the other girls and their moms. And I thought, wow, you know, this is what happens when you have a boy who isn't into sports. And that's the only thing that's available for him to do in a given situation. So I saw the trajectories, um, you know, go in different directions. And I just started wondering, where is this going to end up? What does it mean for a kid who's not sporty in a world that expects boys to be into sports and to love them and be good at them? And I, that was the first like mental, I just saw that and I was like, oh my God, it's right here in front of me. And so I just began thinking about that. And I realized there was nothing written at all about this topic and nothing for parents who have boys who aren't sporty. And so I just started writing my own book, my own story about what it's like to parent these two very different boys in a culture that aggrandizes sports and athletics and how to raise a boy who isn't into that, who still feels good about himself and what he brings to the table, even when it's not widely recognized. Yeah, I mean, it's such an important topic because I think that it's just also not talked about a lot, but it's so obvious when it's going on with a child, you know, and I even think you see it like early. And I know that, you know, it's one of those things as a parent of a young child back then, you know, years ago that I thought it was a requirement that I had to put my kids in sports, especially my son. Um, and that, you know, when he didn't like it, well, what was I going to, you know, oh, do I keep him in the sport? And we're going to get that to get to that a little bit later. Um, but I want to talk about, I love your, I love how you tie in emotional intelligence. So I want to just ask you how that ties in with this specific topic. And maybe for people who don't know what emotional intelligence is, I think, you know, it's a term that, you know, I know and I understand, but I know that it's not, a lot of people may not know exactly what it means. Um, and I just, I just wanted to see your perspective and how it tied together. Right. So when I think of emotional intelligence, I, I think of those skills that people have that are related to emotional skills, such as empathy, such as perspective taking, uh, the ability to reflect on one's own actions and the reasons behind them, the ability to um, to be aware of the impact of one's behaviors and choices on other people, flexibility, ability to respond to things rather than react to things. All these I think of as emotional intelligences that really advance somebody in terms of their relationships with people, their ability to just navigate the world in a, in a healthy way. So I, I think it ties in in many different ways to this topic. Uh, you know, I think for both the boy and the parent, I mean, a lot of boys grow up, they're living in a very kinesthetic world, right? And so they are living in a world of, again, physicality and athletic prowess. And that's where their interest is. That's where their attentions go. And that's where they spend a lot of time. And so their skills are developed along those lines. And this other type of boy who's not so sporty often is a kid who may be um, more introverted, more quiet, just because a lot of the non-sporty and the introversion tend to overlap. Um, they tend to be 
um, sometimes more reflective kids. And I remember, whereas, um, like I would look at Austin and I would see all the social capital he would gain from being athletic. Because when you're six and seven, that's what matters the most. And I saw Jake stepping back and observing. And I think looking back at it, part of it was this observation of I'm different. I don't fit in there. Where am I going to fit in? Where's my place? What does this mean for me socially? And how do I deal with this? And is this, you know, does anybody recognize me? I think a lot of these kids feel very invisible. So I think for the emotional intelligence aspect on the part of a parent, to be able to recognize that their child is different, doesn't enjoy this, the things that people think of when they think of a traditional boy, all boys love sports, and being able to recognize that and be able to bring forward a conversation with their kid. This is, hey, you know what? I notice you don't seem to be into sports as much as so-and-so or your brother or this and that. And talk to me about it. Or, you know, sometimes I worry that you go out there with the neighborhood kids and play the same games that they do but that you don't really like it. And sometimes I worry that you don't really like it, but you're afraid to tell me and mom, me and dad, this. These kinds of conversations that open it up and that let the kid know that, oh my gosh, I am being seen for who I am and it's okay to talk about it. And being able to validate the non-physical skills in our boys and young men, I think is really important. So, you know... The, I think in some ways the call-up now for our young people is different than what it's been in past decades, especially for men and for boys, because in previous times it was always power, you know, power and control. But we really need boys and men and women and girls who have a variety of skills and a variety of emotionally affecting traits that are not rooted in all things physical and aggressive and competitive. We need leaders who lead with emotional sensitivity and nuance and, and leaders who lead with an ethical sensibility and moral reasoning and have an ambassadorship, a sort of an, a, a, a natural way of helping people be comfortable knowing one another, even though they're different and introducing themselves a, Ability to be very empathic to people from different circumstances or people from your same circumstance who have a different experience. And all these things I think of as emotional skills and emotional intelligence. And I think very often, you know, it will be the boy who's not the captain of the football team or the baseball team who may end up being this more emotionally nuanced kid. And I'm not at all saying that the football player, baseball player is not that person also. Uh, you know, I, I know that he can be in many cases, but I'm speaking and painting with a very broad brush that some of the skills when we take away the physical competitive aggressive in a male, we start recognizing and valuing these other skills that don't come to the forefront as much. And and actually, you know, I remember when, when the twins were like eight, nine years old. I remember sitting with Jake one day on his bed in his room. He was getting ready, putting on his pajamas, and he looked sad. And I was thinking a lot about how his brother had become very popular, second, third grade, and Jake was really struggling um, and, and not very confident. And I remember saying to him, you know what, buddy? The things, the things that Austin does well show up on the outside. 
he throws a ball well and he catches it and he runs fast and he climbs a tree really well. And the other boys see it. And that's what's important when you're seven and eight and nine years old. The things that you do really well are on the inside of you and they don't show up on the outside yet. But you are very, very good at seeing other people's feelings and being aware of that. You're very good at talking about things that other boys your age don't talk about or can't talk about. And I went on to talk about all the inner emotional skills and intelligence that Jake was demonstrating at the time. And I said, you know what? I see that they're there and grownups will often see that they're there, but other kids your age, maybe not so much. And Unfortunately, I think you're going to have to wait a few years before other people see these things that you do well, too. You're going to have to wait. But I want you to know that they are there and I see them and dad sees them. And, you know, and that was a conversation I wanted to have with him to let him know that he was going to have to wait. And in many ways, boys like Jake, who aren't sporty and are more reserved and quiet, do wait until high school or college to really start to feel like, okay, now I found my place. I found my people and I feel valued. And I know for Jake, it wasn't until the last year of high school and then in college and it changed a lot for him. But that's when those, you know, interpersonal skills become more valued than the physical skills. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also so important that you were able to sit and, you know, sit with him and be supportive and explain that to him. Because I think, you know, just from a parent's perspective, I think some some boys feel like they can't express their feelings, that it's not something that they should be doing. Um, and also just talking about, you know, describing specific feelings. I think, you know, we assume that that children understand and know what all these feelings mean. But I think a lot of kids don't. You know, a lot of kids don't understand, well, what does this feeling mean? And um, really talking about talking through the feelings. Cause I know that one of the other, I think, think as a parent, I've seen at least like, you know, as a, as a parent of a child with, you know, with a son that, you know, it's, it's not always acceptable to be expressing all your feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, as a parent, we have to, you know, give them a safe place to talk about their feelings, but also talk, you know, specifically defining certain feelings and and teaching them to be a little bit more like aware of what these feelings feel like. So I know that's more about Uh the emotional intelligence. And, um, and what I wanted to ask you is that, you know, as parents, how can we help improve that emotional intelligence? Because, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to jump in for a second, because I actually think that it's not so much getting these boys to express their feelings. A lot of them won't. They can't. And that's okay. I think the more important thing that they need from us is for us to express what they might be feeling and for us to let them know that they are seen and they're, 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 you know, they're distressed maybe over not being popular or not doing what other kids want them to do, not being good at it. That we see that in them, that they're not invisible to us. And we're not just comparing them to what we think they should be. That I think is more important that we're saying, hey, you know, I know the world is telling you that you're supposed to really like sports, but I want you to know that sometimes the world is wrong and I got your back. That's all. That's what they need from us. We don't need to go into a whole lot of what are you feeling about this? Because, you know, they it's hard 
for a young child, I think it's more important that they hear it from us and for us to take the more active step of saying, I see you, I see what's going on and I have your back. Yeah. Because, so, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think that's I actually really great advice for parents because I think that what kids need is they need that they need to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And um, I think by parents saying that to their children is just so important. But I think a lot of parents maybe are not there or they feel pressure for their child to be in a sport. Right. So, or they, you know, right. Or are they not used to talking like that, you know? But I think even a parent can say, you know what, you know, it's kind of weird. We don't talk a lot about this kind of stuff. We talk about, you know, what you did at school and, you know, where we're going to go out to dinner. But I, I don't know. I just feel like I want to talk to you about this whole thing because I, I look at you outside and I just get the feeling that you're trying to almost fake it. I don't want you to feel like you have to or for a parent, you know, maybe you've had that conversation and say, listen, you know, I know you're going to Sammy's birthday party this weekend. You know, they're going to do a pickup basketball game. How do you want to handle it? Let's talk about it now. So you know what to do. And you're not there standing around and saying, um, you know, where do I go? Because do I have to hang out with the mother? <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. And- I mean, that's such a good point. What you say about the birthday party, because a lot of boys tend to have sport, like sport, like let's say like a birthday party that centers around a sport. Now, if you have a child who doesn't like sports, that could be a really anxiety provoking experience. And I think, talking about with your child before, um, or even maybe setting up with, maybe even discussing it with the, if the child wants to go to the party and I I don't know, I just think even discussing with a parent, Hey, listen, you know what? Um, you know, they don't really like this sport, but they really want to come to the party. Um, could we come a little bit later after the game or whatever it is? I mean, I know as a parent, there's other ways of, but definitely dealing with it before rather than just sort of assuming that it's going to be okay with the child and dropping them off. And then you pick them up and they have like that face of looking like they're going to cry, you know? Um, so to balance that out, I also think that it's, it's helpful sometimes, you know, for a parent to say to a kid, listen, you don't ever have to, you know, be able to shoot baskets really well, but if you want, I can teach you how to do it well enough so you can kind of hang in the game. And so that's a nice gesture from a parent who's saying, look, you know, I, you don't have to play well, but maybe do you want, if you want to be kind of one of the boys, I can show you how to hold the football. I can show you how to throw it. I can show you, we could practice catching it. So at least you can kind of run around with everybody and maybe you kind of avoid the one that's coming to you or something. But so, you know, you say, let me help you with this. If, if you want that basic skill, I think it's good to have. I, and I might say to my kid in that instance, you know, it's not just the birthday party. It's like, you know, when everyone comes over for Thanksgiving, you know how everyone goes out back and they start playing football. I'd love to see you be a part of that. And, you know, we, you come over to me and we sit on the sidelines and talk, but I want you to know that, you know, I could teach you a couple of things so you could be part of that. Let me know. And and so encouraging, you know, a familiarity, working familiarity with the sport so that a kid doesn't feel like he always has to be on the sidelines, but could be part of it. Yeah, I think that's just excellent advice. And, you know, just a, just another thing, too, I wanted to see, you know, what you thought about, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to parents um, of children who feel insecure about not being, let's say, not being good at the sports or having not having an interest? I mean, what what would a parent say to a child who feels like that? I know you kind of already 
discussed it with them, discussed it, you know, as far as like having to talk with them. But is there anything else that you would add to that? Yeah, I think the parent, um, you know, can take some time to think about this because it's really important. You know, there's not so much rules about what to do, what not to do as much as I think guidelines or questions that help parents that serve as guides, you know, good questions for parents to think about that can help guide how they want to handle this. So one thing is, what is the reason why it is so important for that person's child to be involved in sports? Some may say, um, so that he's not, so he's not marginalized. I don't want my kid to be the bullied kid who's, you know, out there not in sports. Or um, I want my kid to have physical exercise and that's the best way to get it. Or I want my kid to be part of a team and get along with other people. Or I want my kid, um, you know, to be like me. I, you know, waited all this time to have children and and I couldn't wait to take him to his first lacrosse game and, and, and you know, suit him up. And, and now he doesn't want to do it. And now how am I supposed to talk to him? How am I, how, how am I, how are we going to get along if he doesn't like what I like? I mean, it could be all kinds of reasons. So part of the thinking is, what is it, you know, you're hoping to accomplish? And can it happen in another way? So if the person is thinking, well, I, I, you know, I want my kid to be with the other kids because uh, I want him to have friends. Okay, well, that's legit. Is there a different way? Is there another way? It doesn't have to be with sports. There's so many other activities. And there's so many other active activities. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things, you know, like fencing or sailing or beekeeping. I mean, you could re- like falconry. I, I don't know why I, I always think of falconry. Like who does that? But you know what? It's actually making a comeback, which is kind of cool. There's like a lot of stuff that people get out of the box of the school sports, the baseball, football, soccer, lacrosse, and look around exactly. and say, you know what? There's other stuff here that will keep you active. Let's go find a, you know, let's go find a wolf sanctuary because sometimes they need people to help build the wolves' homes. And we could do that. So you spend a Saturday, you know, hammering and carrying lumber. Like that works. Or a kid working in a barn, you're carrying water buckets and hay bales around. That's a lot of exercise. So you can find it in a whole lot of ways. Hiking, biking. Maybe the kid wants to be active, but just not in a team setting. And that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or maybe a kid doesn't mind a team, but isn't competitive. So maybe something that's more volunteer based, you know, where a bunch of kids, you know, volunteer at a soup kitchen or something. There's other ways to get the team experience, but in a way that may make it, you know, more uh, appealing to to the child. So I, I think those are different things to think about. I agree with you because I think sometimes you have to just think out of the box and there's just so many amazing activities out there. We just kind of have to seek them. You know, maybe the ones that just fall in our lap are the baseball and the football and, um, right. you know, cause it is accessible, you know, it's at the schools, is it the rec center? It's well, through it's the town. Right um, but there's so many things outside of that, you know, there's climbing and there's ninja classes and, exactly. you know, there's hiking and there's, I mean, just taking right. a walk, taking a nature walk or, you yeah. know, doing relay races. I mean, um, so you there's know, so many, and yeah, there's so many other ways to be active, um, so yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. And I think sometimes we just need to, you know, really think outside the box and, you know, even for those parents who have, um, private groups on social media, on Facebook, I know I'm part of 
um, a couple of parent groups and I reached out to other parents kind of just posting there, hey, I'm looking for something a little bit out of the box. Does anyone have any ideas? And that's been a great way for me to find some additional resources because, you know, out of all those people in those private groups, we definitely have other parents of kids who enjoy other types of activities. But also sometimes it's the parent who's struggling with this. The parent who says, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, my father and I built a relationship around throwing the ball in the backyard. I don't know how to do this with my own kid if I don't have that. You know, for decades, generations, you know, sports has been the medium, you know, through which fathers and sons have learned to talk to one another and spend time comfortably. You take that away and there's no template for them. There's no, they don't have a new template and for relating and it, and it's really hard. For them, and then there's also sort of the personal ego thing of, well, you know, what, what do you mean you, my kid doesn't like sports? You're supposed to, you know, you're expected to, and it's kind of embarrassing when I have to tell my friends that you're not into that. And and I I think we need to respect that these are also reactions that people have to this, and it's not so much trying, you know, that's the reaction. The thing is, what you do with it. I mean, we come by our feelings honestly. The thing is, can that parent be able to recognize that they have and they have a very strong need for their wish for their child to play sports, but can they step back for a second and think about what does my kid need from me? That's what I am thinking I need from my kid, but that's going to come at great expense to him and to our relationship. And how can I deal with this in a way that doesn't make my kid feel as if he's disappointing me or, you know, he's a loser or that I don't want to deal with him or don't respect his own real interests. That takes some, you know, thinking and reflection and maybe talking to, you know, spouse or, you know, or just really thinking, being able to put the need of your child over yours and recognizing that they are not the same, I think is a big step. Yeah, and I also just think that when you express to your child like you like you did with your own son, that you believe in them, that they have all these wonderful things about them. You know, it may not be sports, but it may be something else that they're really good at and they excel in. And I just also think when kids feel confident and they own that, they own mm-hmm. those things that they're good at, then I feel like a lot of that stuff gets taken care of because they just they just feel more confident about themselves. They don't feel right. insecure because they don't like sports. Right. They feel secure because they have this, let's say they, they feel good about this because they enjoy it or they're, you know, they're practicing and they're getting better at it. Um, so it's, you know, I don't know. It's anyway, but so for the, the next question that I wanted to ask you that I think comes up a lot, I mean, this comes up, let's say, you know, as a parent, you know, with friends, all the, you know, People ask me or a comp is an issue when your child wants to quit a sport, because a lot of parents, you know, there's like one or two ways, you know, and I wanted to ask you as a professional what you think about it, because some people, some parents like, well, I'm going to let my child quit that sport because they don't enjoy it. Right. And I want them to find something that they enjoy, Mm -hmm. but they feel like on the other hand, if they let them quit, that they're, that they're kind of valid, not validating, but they're. Uh, making it okay to quit? And is my son um, going to be a quitter because I'm letting him quit these sports? So I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It certainly comes up very often. Um, okay, so 
a child doesn't want to do something anymore. And here's where, you know, I think it's a beautiful opportunity to have the conversation. The conversation, you know, unfortunately, there aren't enough conversations about this where the parent is saying, talk to me about why you want to quit. I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay. Well, you know, I think if a kid genuinely doesn't like something that they tried it, they really don't like it. I don't know what the benefit is of making them stick it out unless, I mean, if it's a short term, see, okay. If, if a kid really you know, fought for something and, and, and insisted on it. And it's, let's say an eight week course. And, you know, it was a big commitment and, you know, maybe the parents wants to say, listen, you know, I'd like you to finish this out. We paid for it. You were very, uh, you very, you pushed very strongly for it. I know you don't like it, but I think it's important for you to complete this. That's different from making kids stay a full year, let's say in something that he or she doesn't like, because I don't know what the purpose of that is. You're not really teaching commitment. You're teaching the kid not ever to try something again because he's going to get stuck that's what you're teaching the kid so I think there are times to say I do I do expect you to finish this and there are times to say what is it about this that you want to quit it, okay so for some kids they may be quitting because they're not good at it that's not a good reason to quit but again that's a conversation you know what is hard for you about learning in public it seems like you'd be fine here if you were good at it. You know, you're good at everything, but it turns out you're not so good at this, but you can get good. But I think that for you, not being good at something is just the worst feeling and you want out. And I'm not so sure that's a great reason to quit. Let's talk about it. Is there some way that we can, you know, sort of speed up the learning curve here if you feel like you're the worst one in the class so that can help you feel more comfortable? I mean, if the reason is that the kid's not good and... And that's embarrassing for him because he's so always used to being good. It's not so bad for the kid to have an experience where he's not so good. Maybe the conversation is, why do you have to be good at it? Can you enjoy something that you're not good at? I mean, that's another beautiful conversation to have with a kid. You know, another reason would be, um, you know, is he or she having trouble being coached, getting, you know, taking direction. And maybe the conversation has to be more about, I'd like to see you be more comfortable hearing what coaches have to say to you. And not feeling so devastated by it. I think, you know, I worry that you want to quit because you don't like being told what to do. Um, that's not a good reason to quit. So I think you need some batting practice at hearing other people tell you what to do. And you do it and you and it's, you know, and and not feel like you're less than because you've agreed to do that. So part of it is figuring out what is the reason for the kid quitting. Um, I think also you could look back and say, you know, am I generally as a parent, am I too accommodating? Accommodating? Am I too lenient? Is this a place where I need to be firmer about, no, I do expect this, you know, because maybe our whole relationship has been characterized by me giving in. Um, on the other hand, maybe the relationship is characterized by a lot of conflict or a parent says, you know, I really am rigid about this and my kid is bracing against it. And I'm worried actually that he's not going to try anything else if I say you can't stop this because he's going to worry about just being trapped in something forever. So those are all the considerations. I mean, I think sometimes you know, it's respectful to say, okay, you tried it, you gave it the best shot, and I respect the fact that this is not for you. Like, But I do expect you to replace it with something else. I don't want you at home watching video games. That, you right, know, it's important. Exactly. No, no right? ex exactly, exactly. And I think that's, I don't know, a hard thing for me also as a parent. Like, am I being too lenient? Am I being too accommodating? Um, but I love that idea of replacing because I think mm -hmm. that, you know, if we don't have anything after school, then, you know, 
the kids do tend to come home and be on video games and, you know, iPad. Um, and they do need to have something to get involved in that, that I think that's active. I think it's pretty important at least a couple of times a week to get something involved. And it's just, I think it's overall, it's just good for your body, especially, you know, a lot of times kids are sitting all day in school and they're not getting a lot of activity. They may not have gym every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have gym twice a week. And then right. for the other days, they're not, they're not being active at all. So right. I love that idea of replacing and, and really talking about why are you quitting? And then mm-hmm. the other kind of added component, which makes it even more complex, is that if there's difference of opinion between, like, let's say, between two parents, you know, one thinks they, they should yeah. quit and the other right. person doesn't. So I think that's also, cre- you know, makes it, you know, I think more complex sometimes. Absolutely right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it very complex because then you have conflict there and then the kid feels bad because he sees, you know, he thinks of it as, oh my God, I'm causing my parents to fight. Um, You know, that's never really helpful and it doesn't usually end really well. You know, I I don't think that, you know, so so what happens is, you know, um, let's say a dad who really wants his kid into sports and, and, and the mom's trying to be sensitive to the kid doesn't want to, he'll say, oh, you're just being overprotective. And then, you know, then she says, well, you're just being a bully. And then they're off and running sort of, you know, polarized positions and they, they keep, you know, compensating for the other person. So the father gets harsher about, you know, expectations and sports with the kid. And then the mother gets softer and, you know, tries to, you know, make him feel better. And the dad says, you're, you know, turning him into a baby and, you know, you're just being, you know, obnoxious and it just gets worse and worse. So really finding a way to say, look, we disagree on this, but let's, can we have a conversation where we come to some agreement about what's enough and what's too much and what's not enough? Something like that, because it really affects the kids, you know, very much so. Um, you know, same thing, kid is having a tantrum, mother is soothing, dad says you're babying him. <laughs> Just that's, a, you know, that happens a lot. And speaking of the family thing, I, I want to add just one other thing, which I think is really important for parents to help their kids with this in a very, very um, uh, a supportive and respectful way. Like, so for, all, in other words, um, you know, that I, I wanted Jake to be very excited about Austin's athletic um, successes. And so, you know, it wasn't an anti, I don't want him to be anti-sports. I wanted him to respect the fact that, yeah, some kids are into that stuff and it's not your thing, but you know what? Your brother's really into it and I want you to be part of celebrating his success. And he did. And in the same vein, I, you know, wanted Austin to be able to show up for Jake's events or show up for him, just to show up for him in a way that, you know, was important so that Jake could feel valued in the home. There was no teasing about what people were into. There was nothing like that. And I think that's really important. Parents set the lead on that, that, you know, the non-sporty kid is, you know, not chided and, and, you know, the, the athletics are, are, when they're talked about, so are the non-sporty boys interests. And sometimes it's hard because it's easy to talk about a game or a score. It's harder to talk about the more nuanced activities and interests of the sporty boy. But it was important to me because I really wanted to preserve their relationship, you know, as they grew up. And I, and I think that that, that helped. And and it's, it's funny because the, the postscript on them is that, um, they both grew and owned who they were and were successful. So Austin uh, succeeded in baseball 
and ended up being drafted and signed by the San Francisco Giants. Wow. And ended up becoming an English teacher. This book, this boy loves books and his ability to, to reflect and, and see stories and character. Like he's so good at that. And he's now teaching eighth grade English and getting kids who would never pick up a book to say, Oh my God, Mr. Edge, like, what's this? I'm into poetry. Like, how'd you do that? Like, and so he's really, really good at creating readers. And you know, it just like, they're so different but they were able to find a way to actualize who they really were in in the same you know living in the same space yeah I mean that's that's amazing I mean I I also I love what you said about supporting other people with sports like you're saying with your sons that you know we don't want to just say oh well you don't enjoy sports that means that you don't have to go to any of your siblings games or you don't have to support them or you don't even the other way around to say oh I don't like sports I'm not going to do that like we have to each respect each other's interests so and they're both important um and let's say let's say child may not like sports doesn't mean that they won't go and support their family member in something that's important to them absolutely so yeah, I think these are just such wonderful points. And I, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you coming on today and talking about this because I know that it's helped me a lot, you know, learning from you. And I know that there is a lot of parents out there listening that will help them. And I just think, you know, the advice you gave is just amazing. I mean, I, I love your work. And say, as my children, you know, enter adolescence, I'm going to be definitely reading you know, more or definitely more, the rest of your books. Um, so it's, you know, I know that's a whole other, yeah. But <clears throat> I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, is there anything else you want to add before we finish up? No, that's it. I, you know, I'm just so appreciative of you bringing this topic forward, you know, and bringing it to the attention of, of more people because there's, you know, there are a lot of boys who are not into sports and parents are struggling and schools are struggling to know how can we, how can we raise them to feel good about themselves and, and find out what they need. And, uh, you know, this podcast and you're talking about this is, is just terrific for helping, you know, spread the word that there are, there is a conversation we can have about this and help each other be able to help these boys feel really good about who they are. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. Time.